Hello, um, hello, Internet. This is uh, is this week international. Uh, I'm Andy, and my co-host is uh, Thomas. And um, today we will be talking hello. about uh, a variety of topics uh, internationally yep. that are going on in politics. Yeah, we're going to actually start out with uh, Montenegro, and Andy, you are the expert on Montenegro. So, what is going on there? Uh, I no way am an expert on Montenegro, but uh, I <laughs> I do know that uh, recently they've they've been under um, one party rule for quite some time now. I mean, they are one of Dukanovic. Yes, they are one of Europe's last dictatorships. Well, I don't want to count the Vatican City because the Pope's technically elected, but um. Yeah, outside of them and te- Russia, and if you want, well, if you want to count Russia and Azerbaijan and Belarus, and, and, and we'll be getting to those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's 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 one of the things. Like continents are very inconsistent. So, um, yes, if, let me see if I can pull up the article here. Yes, uh, Balkan Insight actually has some relatively good stuff stuff on this website. I highly recommend it. This is not a paid advertisement. Um, <laughs> uh, but th- from how I understand it, there's a coalition called For the Future Montenegro. And uh, they have won a majority of seats in Montenegrin parliament. If I'm saying that correctly. Montenegrin, kind of awkward thing. Awkward thing. But yeah, apparently like says here in Balton Insight uh, briefly about the results of the coalition for the future of Montenegro, which means I messed up the name originally, led by Democratic Front, the Democrats, and uh, the coalition Black and White, led by Civic Movement, the Civic Movement, URA, won 41 out of 48 seats. And so uh, uh, what does... Um, did you want to add anything? Um, no, just that it's interesting because uh, Dukanovic, I was reading a little bit about him the other day. He's pretty wealthy. I think he's fairly pro-EU, so that's kind of interesting. And I think that for, probably for a lot of uh, Montenegrins, he kind of fills the stereotype of like the rich kind of pro-EU bureaucrat bureaucrat guy so that's kind of interesting but the funny thing is Uh, i don't know how much this will impact the grand sort of balkan stage but hey you know it could have an impact i mean there's also a large serb population in montenegro yes this and they were pretty hostile to dukanovic so i think that probably ended up uh I mean, creating some troubles for him. Yeah, if you think about the history of Serbia and Montenegro, it's long. Remember, these two places were once the same place. Yeah, I mean, even before they had Yugoslavia, um, they were both part of the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. They were both part of the Roman Empire. I mean, so it's like these guys, these countries share a very long history yeah. together. What I find funny is that, like... But they hate each other, so... I mean, kind of. I know... Uh, that's a different story, though. Um, but, like, I, what I find funny is, like, there's now a Green Party that's technically in charge of Montenegro. The UR, like, that's what I find funny, because, like, the URA is a Green Party. Like, I mean, flashbacks of Prince Edward Island in Germany right there. 
So uh, exactly. what did you, you want to talk about? So moving on from one Eastern European country to another Eastern European country, we're going to be talking about Belarus. Uh, there is a bunch of stuff going on in Belarus, to put it lightly. Um, this is from ABC News. It says massive protests flood Belarus once more as Lukashenko appears to be brandishing an assault rifle. This is a little bit old. It's from August 23rd. But I still think this is kind of a good uh, article that details sort of what's happening there. Now, Lukashenko, has been he's in been in control of Belarus since the fall of the USSR. Yeah. And he's basically a dictator. And it's he's pretty unique in Europe because Europe is not known for having that many dictators. Well, I mean, at now. one time, <laughs> of course, it did, but... But we don't think of, like, Europe now when we think, oh, dictators. So he's kind of this oddball, and he's even known sometimes as Europe's last dictator, which is funny because... Uh, that, so false. Apparently they, don't count, apparently they don't count Putin as a dictator. Which yeah, is a little they bit don't weird, count but... Azerbaijan as a dictator. Uh, they're under a dictatorship as well. Yeah, but some people don't count them as part of Europe, so... Yeah, well, that's the same with Russia, too. Too. Yeah, Russia... Is partially yeah. in Asia, so I mean, yeah. No, t- no. Plus, there's also the Pope, who's like a benevolent dictator, but not really. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, also he's king. an absolute. Yeah, he's an absolute monarch. But yeah, I mean, that it, doesn't really count. That's different, complicated. I mean, but, yeah, it's like it's like saying the kid of Swaziland and Putin are the same thing. It's like no way, Jose. Like Putin is. Hey, uh, a Andy, remember it's. Andy, remember it's not Swaziland anymore. It's oh yeah, Swatini. it's Eswatini. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Lowercase c at the beginning. Um, yeah, but anyway, he supposedly won 80% of the vote in this recent Belarusian election. Which and this is probably not accurate. I mean... Yeah, no, it's like... I mean, I don't think that leaders normally win 80% of the vote. I mean, I mean like... Unless even in, in like, U.S. elections, I can't think of... I mean, I guess George Washington and then uh, James Monroe in 1820, but I can't think yeah. of any recent elections where a uh, presidential candidate won 80% of the vote. Yeah. So this is pretty obviously rigged. I mean, come on, dude. At least if you want to rig like, it, at least like, make it close. At least make it like 51% or something like that. But. Yeah, it's like when I heard uh, Turkmenistan's government fielded eight candidates just so it looked like Gurbanguly Berdimuhamado had opposition. Like, that was obviously rigged. Like, they just fielded extra candidates there. Yeah, but so he has Lukashenko. He has an opposition leader, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, and she was pretty popular, but she apparently didn't win. At least the Belarusian government claims that she didn't win, and she is not conceding the election. So there are protests and. There are massive protests. They're everywhere. There's a massive one in Minsk, which is, of course, the capital of Belarus. There are um, over 100,000 people protesting on the streets. And it's pretty crazy there. It's just like, wow, you don't really hear about election protests that often, especially in Europe. I mean, here in the U.S., we had a couple when Trump became president, but... Especially in a country like Belarus, which 
I mean, it has a couple million people, but it's doesn't. It's not like it has seventy million people or anything. It's not that big of a country, so people are really uh, angry about this whole Belarus situation, and it's not helping that Lukashenko is buddies with Putin, and Putin is. It's basically saying, oh, yeah, these election results are totally valid, and we got your back, buddy. Yeah, it's so, like, like when Putin, like, we're, actually, we're going to get to Putin. So, uh, yeah, do you want to uh, roll right into that? <laughs> yeah, let's roll right into Putin. So, Putin, he had an opponent a while ago. Yes, uh, he did. Named Alexei Navalny. Yes. And Navalny's kind of a weird guy. Like he's not really. It's really blogger, hard to. I think, or he's a blogger. really hard to uh, put him on the political compass. He's kind of like me, impossible. Strange, to yeah, like yeah. yeah, like Andy. Andy yeah. has some interesting views on a bunch of different topics, but yeah. uh, Navalny ran on well, not being Putin and being anti-Putin. And it looks like he's just been poisoned. Yeah, this is a really recent one, too. Um, there's a guy named... The Russians uh, are... Go ahead, sorry. And the Russians are claiming, no, 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 we didn't poison him. No, 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 he's just in a coma. But he was yeah. flown to Germany, and um, Germans, they found that he was poisoned with the nerve agent Novichok. And... Yeah, very Russian name. He's yeah. in a coma again, as I already said. And, I mean, this is not past Russia to do. Yeah, I mean, there's we know that they're... recently. Like, this is what, the only, one of the only reasons this came to light, I think, was because they poisoned a blogger named Yudor Zukov, who, uh, like, this, like, who was also poisoned. And currently, he's the one who's circulating the news, not Navalny. Like, the BBC's all over it. The Washington Post is all over it. Daily Mail. Yeah, so... Um, oh, yeah, this is from The Telegraph. This is from September 3rd, 2020. But, yeah, I think both of them are, to be totally honest, hitting a lot of different websites and stuff. So I think they're both pretty high profile. But I don't know. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I don't know what Putin... Uh, I don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I guess Putin can keep denying it, and there'll yeah. be a subsection of people who believe it. But I mean, he can't—he can't keep this—he uh, can't keep this uh, secret for long. Or I guess it's like, not even really a secret. He can't lie forever. I mean, people like, are gonna start to question him, especially when come on, it's like this is like your only main guy. Like I mean, Putin's had other opposition leaders in the past, but Navalny yeah. was really one of the only ones in recent times that ever got any sort of traction. Like, this super reminded me of when um, Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov claimed there were no gay people in Chechnya. Like, I mean, yeah. that's, you're out, you're just, it's, that's out there, Ramzan. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Come on, dude. Stop lying. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's interesting, to say the least. Yes. Um, I wanted to, okay, uh, are, are, okay, go ahead, sorry. Now, I'll save my China story for later. Do you want to yes. do a story uh, next? Yeah, uh, I would like to reopen a debate that's been going on for years, actually. And it's over the Australian flag. So, uh, uh, yeah, the Australian flag. 
Yes, there has been many, many, many attempts to redesign it. Like, I'm on the, like, there's even, like, a Wikipedia page for the Australian flag debate. So, I mean, if, like, if it's on Wikipedia, things are getting serious. Anyways, um, so, as a, I'm not sure how many of our viewers are into vexillology, but I know if you're hearing about us from Reddit, you probably are into vexillology because they have a large vexillology section. For those who don't know, vexillology is the study of flags. And if I can pull them up here, major rules of flag design, it's relatively, oops, that's not flag design, that's, that's flag football. Um, here we go, major rules of flag design. So before I dive into this, I want to read the, base, read the basic rules of flag design so everybody knows what they're talking about. So this comes from the North American Vexillological Association, who produced this, so it's keep it simple. The flag should be so simple that a child can draw it from memory. Use meaningful, meaningful symbolism. Meaningful symbolism, so that's pretty straightforward. Use two to three basic colors. No lettering or seals because you can't see that at a distance. And be distinctive or related. And I have to say, Australia, none of your redesigns really follow this. I mean, like, so neither does your current flag. Like, I think the Union Jack is pretty, like, anti-draw from memory. Like, no offense. And so are stars. Like, it's hard to draw stars without, like, making a bunch of lines in the middle. Which is why Australia... Yeah, I, I can't would, even like, tell the difference. With... I'm sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I can't even remember the difference between the Australian flag and the New Zealand flag. You yeah. probably do, but I don't. I, yeah. just, I know they both have Union Jacks, and I know they both have stars, Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Australia, I know, like, I know it's in like episode one, but I guess we are, I guess our hosts are now supporting things, or, or I am at least. Um, I would like to propose, Australia, that you would change your flag because a little kid could not draw that your flag from memory. No offense, Australia. It's just, it's time. This happened. And uh, I would like to propose it with uh, something else I found. I'd like to propose to replace it with something else I found on Wikipedia, the Golden Waddle flag. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to describe it. It's like a bluish green background with like yellow, I want to call them flower petals on them. It, it just works, like it represents unity, which is one of the things I saw. And there are, oh, Dana, I messed up. Okay, I didn't, I miscounted. Well, provided you don't include one of your territories as official or something, there are seven minus one ter territories or six plus one territories represented on here, I guess. Like, I mean, the last one to be for like Australia's territories, but yeah, like the Norfolk's. But uh, yeah, so I, I honestly think it's their better option than the one they currently have because like the other ones, like there's the, I mean, I don't know, like, let me see, like Australia flag proposed redesigns. I mean, but honestly, like all the other ones break the rules of vexillology because which is the study of flags, because, like, just that on Google Images, the proposed flags, it's 
relatively rule-breaking as far as the five laws of vexillology. Like, most of them involve these really complicated stars. Like, I'm looking at one here. It, it breaks the multiple colors rule. And, uh, yeah. But surprisingly, there are a lot of people who don't want to reform Australia's flag. So that's uh, definitely interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think that it probably should be reformed. I'm kind of getting tired of the Union Jack. I understand they're a Commonwealth country, but I mean, the British Empire, it's, it's gone. And the Australia should move on. I honestly think that they should also get what get rid of their monarchy that is kind of an outdated institution i think especially the fact that australia doesn't even have its own independent monarchy its queen is just queen elizabeth ii of britain yeah although who knows um who it will be in the future i don't know when you'll be viewing this there's a good chance if you're viewing this in 20 years it may be it's a different ruler. Yeah, it's not uh, Elizabeth. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe she could live to be 113, but yeah, probably maybe. not. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? It's, Gosh, it's I hope possible. she would. Uh, hope she would resign before then. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to. I, I feel bad for her to be 113 years old and still doing all the yeah. symbolic monarch stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a, a different. That's a different topic. But anyway, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think that Australia should change its flag. I mean, I know. New Zealand, they had a similar flag debate. Yes, Again, I've not been following these nearly the, as much as you have, but yeah. I think that it's time for the flag to go. I think you need a more, um, a more unique flag, a flag that represents Australia, because when I look at the Australian flag, I think of Britain. Like, I see the Union Jack in the corner, and it just screams, Britain, Britain, Britain. I mean, it's not scream Australia at all. Like, I look at the American flag, and it's like, okay, it's America. Look at the Canadian flag. Okay, it's Canada. I look at the Irish flag. Okay, it's Ireland. But come on. Yeah. Come on, Australia. You can do better than this. I have yeah, but there hope is, in you. There is, one thing that that. Is, there is one thing that I do find strikingly Australian. Is that the stars look like spiders? And there is definitely no shortage of spiders in Australia. So, thumbs up there, Australia. Thumbs up there. Yeah. Um, anything so, else before I get to China? To be honest, I've gone about flags for hours, but go ahead with China. Okay, so China, um, they're in the center of a big controversy yes. due to this whole Uyghur issue. And. If you don't know who the Uyghurs are, I'm going to give sort of a brief history of them. I see a lot of weird people on the internet who are trying to claim that, no, actually, uh, the Uyghurs aren't native to uh, Xinjiang, which is the area that they inhabit. But no, it's actually uh, for Han Chinese. It's their land, and Uyghurs have sort of invaded it. And when it, in reality, it's actually the reverse. Um, Xinjiang was originally inhabited by um, different groups. There was a group there called the Tacharians who had some kingdoms there in like the 500s AD and a lot of them were Buddhists but then the Tacharians mixed with a lot of the Turkic invaders who were coming from Mongolia and they formed 
they kind of merged and they formed the ethnic group that we now call the Uyghurs. And the Uyghurs themselves speak the Uyghur language, which is a Turkic language, which is uh, closely related to Uzbek, believe it or not. And they number about 13 and a half million. And again, most of them are in Xinjiang, but there are some in Russia, there are some in Kazakhstan, there are some in Kyrgyzstan. I mean, they're all around the world, not in big numbers, but you have small communities in every country, heck, even the U.S., yeah. although I've never met a Uyghur myself. Same. But the interesting thing about them, which really sets them apart from uh, most other groups in China, is that they're Muslim. They are Sunni Muslim. They're not Wahhabists, like I see some people claim. And... China doesn't like this because China does not like Islam. China doesn't like Christianity either that much, but they do not like Islam at all. Yeah. And they have been, um, they have been persecuting the Uyghurs for a little while, especially uh, once uh, the Chinese became a communist country under Mao. He was not a big fan of the Uyghurs. And he has, well, not him uh, exactly, but, his successors have been trying to sort of send Han Chinese into Xinjiang to sort of wipe out the Uyghurs because Xinjiang is a very big region and it's pretty, um, it's pretty sparsely pop populated. And there's a lot of room there for uh, people from the East. So he's been kind of trying to ethnically cleanse the region but recently in the past, I don't know, decade or so, they've really been um, ramping up the efforts. They've been putting a lot of these Uyghurs in uh, what they call re-education camps. Yes. But really what they are is internment camps. I'm not going to call them concentration camps just because there's I mean, a little bit of a history with that term for yeah, obvious like, reasons. Cough, cough, and I don't want to make... South Africa. I don't, I don't want to make comparisons with the Holocaust and anything, but the Uyghur situation is still really awful. They're not re-education camps. Really what they're doing is they're forcing these Uyghurs uh, to learn Han Chinese, to learn the language. To, um, they're forcing them to eat pork, which if you know anything about Islam, uh, Islam forbids you to eat pork, and they're forcing them to drink alcohol, which Islam also forbids you to drink alcohol. Uh, it forbids you to drink alcohol. You're not allowed to do that in Islam. So they're basically being forced to do all this stuff and they're trying to make them into Han, Buddhist. Chinese, not just Buddhists. I mean, it, the situation religiously in China is very complicated. You have a lot of yeah. different um, faiths. You have Buddhism, you have Confucianism, you have Taoism, you have a lot of people who quote-unquote, believe in folk religions, but a lot of them in reality are atheists. It's very complicated. But they basically yeah. don't want them to be Muslims. And there's another group in China, a little bit further east, called the Hui, who they're also Muslim. They have not had all of this tragedy yet, although China seems open to doing it with them too, so it's possible we'd have another um, Muslim group that could be discriminated against. But, um, yeah, they're really trying to, they're trying to culturally cleanse them, really. And they're trying to, you know, when you take, a, you take away a, the culture 
of a civilization. There really isn't much of a civilization anymore. Yep. I mean, um, when you force them to abandon their native customs and sort of fall in line, then what what defines them? Like, sure, you know, like what if all Uyghurs now start um, not being Muslims and they start speaking Han Chinese and they abandon their culture? then are they really Uyghurs? Like maybe genetically they are, but culturally, I don't know. So it's very, it's very complicated. And the problem is that China is a big country, so you can't really do much about it. Like, I don't really, I don't really know what the U.S. can do. I mean, we can shame them. We can tell China, no, you shouldn't be doing this, but President we can't, we can't already. declare war on them. I mean, that yeah. would go terribly. We can't even sanction them, really, because I mean, uh, that would hurt our industries. Made in China and, is a stereotype. <laughs> Plus, yeah, I it's mean, a stereotype, and I mean, it's it's, not like, the U.S. economy would, would be ruined if we uh, sanctioned China's everything, I guess. And I mean, so not like, we don't really know what to do. I mean, I see a lot of people on Instagram doing posts about, oh, look, the Uyghurs are in um, internment camps and they're, it's really bad and stuff like that. And it's just like, cool. I'm happy that you're spreading this, but I know that a lot of these people are just doing it to um, make sure that they are on the right side of the cultural uh, debate, I guess. And they want to, do it because their friends are doing it. And hey, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's good that people are raising awareness about a very important issue for strange reasons, but I don't know. Another thing is that they, the Chinese uh, government, they really want to lower the Uyghur birth rates because Uyghurs tend to have quite a lot of children and they want to lower them and they want to sterilize a lot of Uyghur women. Um, I've heard rumors of forced abortions on Uyghurs, and it's pretty awful. I mean, this is this is terrible. Yeah. I I can't really think of another part of the world right now. I mean, there probably is, um, but I can't think of another part of the world where they're doing just like such a blatant act of cultural genocide, I guess yeah. you can call it. I mean, a lot of people don't like using that term, but that's honestly what it is. It's a cultural genocide. Yeah, they're trying to, trying to wipe, they're trying to take their identity. It's, yeah. I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but still, it's pretty, it's pretty awful. So we've actually had some new news about it, and it's that a lot of Uyghurs are being shipped to the east of China into cities like Beijing and they're being forced to work and assemble products. So there's a good chance that many of the products that people in America or maybe other Western countries, I honestly don't know much about trade practices in other countries, but I'm going to get at, I'm going to guess that in places like Canada and the UK, a lot of their products are made in China. And a lot of those 
products may be made by forced Uyghur labor. So that's pretty awful. I try to not think about that, but it's kind of hard knowing that there's a good chance the mask you might be wearing was made by a poor 13-year-old Uyghur girl. This has been happening since the 90s. But, I did a whole report on this in school, and clothing companies forcing slave labor is not new to East Asia. It happens in India. No, I know in it's not, but... I know it's like, not, but in like a sort of, you know, sort of ethnic way. I don't know. This is the first time I've really heard about forced slave labor of an ethnicity in modern times. Of course, we had like slavery in yeah. the U.S. and other countries back in the 1850s, but in in 2020, like pretty awful. Yeah, this is this is horrible. But in the U.S., there is some there's some legislation that's been proposed it's largely bipartisan which is good i mean of course you're not gonna um, have like the freedom caucus joining into this or anything but yeah well um, you might you probably actually will because the freedom caucus hates china now they hate china for stranger reasons but yeah hey uh i'll like, i'll agree with the freedom caucus on this issue and then we can uh, we can yeah, dupe like, it out later on yeah, like, healthcare I mean, or something. There was like, like, but that's well, we're we're gonna we're international, so we're gonna try to stick to international issues. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't, don't know to, if but, there's yeah. other big pieces of legislation in other countries. I will definitely be providing updates on the story because I will be tracking this whole Uyghur situation for years, if not decades, depending on how long it goes. So. Expect to hear about it more, but again, this is pretty awful. Um, not cool, not cool, China. This is 2020. It's not 1874. Um, yeah, it's insane. I and by the way, I do see like a lot of these. I do see like some weird sort of kind of. I don't know. Maybe they're on the left, but like some weird kind of left left-wing YouTubers who are saying, no, actually, this uh, this Uyghur thing, it's because they're Wahhabists, and they, uh, they've been causing trouble for the Chinese. It's like, no, they're not. Like, stop lying. Like, there are people, and I hate this one, though, they'll go so far as to hating their country that they just start excusing the actions of other countries. Like, you know, this is not just a thing that Americans do. But oh, yeah. I do see it where it's I've like you see people. some people who who criticize American foreign policy so much. And I understand I, I don't really like a lot of the foreign policy choices America makes, but they criticize American foreign policy so much. They start excusing the actions of countries like China and Russia and Iran and other countries like that who are not our friends and who are not good guys and who we should never be holding up or defending in issues like of human rights issues like this. I mean, anyway, I think I'm done with this whole Uyghur topic. I don't think I have anything more to say, but again, pretty awful. Just, I will yeah. be following more. So you will be hearing more about it. Anyway, yeah, back to you, Andy. Do you have any more important topics? Yeah. You'll probably also be hearing more about the Australian flag thing. Cause I'm pretty like, I'm, I'm relatively, I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty hyped about that now that I've talked about it. Anyways, uh, yes, this, the Micronesian referendum. I've uh, not been following this. What'd you say? I've not been following it. Oh, okay. 
Uh, so quick rundown. So Microne- the Federated States of Micronesia, a small island nation in the South Pacific for the viewers, is split up into four states or states. And what are these states? Chuuk, which is rel- relatively large, large uh, wants to become independent, which uh, since this show does have feedback, uh, or debate on stuff like this, like this, I will say no. Oh, I probably don't. You probably Chuuk does probably not want to become independent. Independent. See, fortunately, nobody does it. Unfortunately, the Compact Free Association is not studied in schools. But so I will give you a brief rundown of it. The Compact Free Association, or Compact of Free Association. Let me find it is yes combat to free association it's a four member trade agreement with the united states united states the federated states of micronesia and the marshall islands and palu and with i don't know all the details of what it entails but but I will run down so a few quick things with the United States Micronesia side of the deal. So, so it is we give a lot of money to Micronesia and and we we well for a conservative we'd want to do this. Now that sounds dumb, but for a conservative. And so we can keep military bases on there. I mean, we don't like, it's one of the many things we do. We also let Micronesia, like there's a whole trade thing going on. We let Micronesians come freely to work in the United States, even though it's like a tiny population of Micronesians in general. So yeah. And we give them a lot of money and base to basically operate. And the reason we like to stay in this whole thing is because Taiwan and China are drooling over the opportunity of propping up the nation of Micronesia. Micronesia. So oh, that's a little bit of backstory about this, but um, anyways, so one of the main arguments for the Chutese people wanting to break away, and for a little background, Chut is a state of Micronesia, along with Yap, Ponpai, and Koshre. Koshre. It's one of four, and they want to break away. But, like, I'm honestly not in favor of this because, like, I didn't go into all the details, details because, like, there's a lot of them. This is a many sided story, but it seems like the people who want Chuki's independence are just trying to get, like, any reason to get it, like. Like, okay, so. This brings us to how Micronesian Parliament works. So this just keeps getting longer and longer. Anyways, um, so it's how fine. Micronesia's Parliament works is that uh, seats in their fourteen-person Parliament are distributed equally, or each or or not equally, but proportional to uh, population. So like I don't know, like they have four states, so it's like a fourteen-person Parliament plus one seat for every state, like, because every state is guaranteed that one seat plus all the others. And the reason this, I want to bring this up because is because the people who want Chuchi's independence, they're just, like, they're claiming that they have 
fewer representatives like per person than all the others but like even though I know this, these are the two warring sides, so like Micronesia and Chuch, I mean, they tend to be on two different sides. Like, obviously, Micronesia does not want to want to give up their state that holds their keys to America. Based, well, one of them that holds their keys to America, basically, but like, does their we're pro, we send them like a lot of money. Like, I don't know, it's like hundreds of millions of dollars, I think. Um, it's like more than their GDP, I think, or like a third. I don't know, it's pretty close. Um, but the Chuchi's independence, people who are supporting the Chuchi's in independence movement, which I can't remember the name of, because it's like crazy long. They're saying that they have few representatives per person than all the other states, but in reality, it's actually Pompeii. And, and becoming independent would mean that they basically have to restart their whole economy, like... I mean, they have to renegotiate those tr trade deals with the U.S. and stuff. So, I don't know, Chuk, you do you, but this doesn't seem like a good idea. Anything, um, anything you want to add? Any other topics? Any other topics you want to bring up? I think you're on mute. Sorry about that. I was on mute. Okay, it's fine. Um... This whole Chuk debate, I don't know that much about it. I'm generally sympathetic to independence movements. I think that pretty much any group of people who want to have their own country, I think they should get it. But I mean, if, if, all, if they want it just because they think that, because if the Chukis leaders want political independence just because they think that they will get more power, then that's a little bit shady. So I really think you should have the people weighing in. And there was a referendum, right? There's been three, but there's been three, but they've all been postponed. They've or all been no, postponed. Two or three. Yeah, there's been two or three. Like, what was it like 2015? What was it was in 2019, but they postponed them. And now like allegedly, and I think it's October, they're going to do another one, but not sure. Well, I guess we should just see and we'll see who approves of it. Because I mean, if 90% of the population approves of uh, Chuki's independence, then Chuk should become independent. But if, I don't know, 20% of the population approves of Chuki's independence, then I don't think they should be independent because that's not what the will of the people want. Yeah. But that so also I, depends on your voting system. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I mean, the, the, well, it's pretty simple when it comes to, there's really only two options. I mean, there's yes and no. So, I mean, there's not really like any complicated thing. You just kind of, I guess you can, I guess what you would call first past the post, you can just kind of simply have a ballot and you just check off either yes or no. But that's a whole different debate. Yes. Voting systems is probably not something we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast because it's not really completely connected to international politics. But anyway... Yeah. Um, I don't have any other big topics, do you? I mean, we can just throw out some wildcard topics if you want. If you okay, want to start sure. with that. Uh, what do you want to bring up? No, I was thinking you. if you had any other wildcard topics, then you could bring them up. I mean, I guess, if you, I guess fine. If you really want to go over, like, the U.S. stuff, then we can do that. No, actually, what, I know what we should do first. We should go over the Canadian Conservative Party leadership. Have you been following that? 
No, I haven't. But I heard there. No, I have. Like, uh, what have you been hearing about it? So, Kanda uh, chose Aaron O'Toole as their conservative party leader. Uh, O'Toole is kind of the status quo guy, um, as to steal a phrase from a JJ McCullough, who has a lot of good videos on Canadian politics. But he's really the status quo guy. He defeated a bunch of opponents. They do this thing in the conservative party leadership race where they'll have candidates and then they'll eliminate the one with the lowest votes. And then they'll have a second round and eliminate that candidate with the lowest votes. And then they'll have a top two round, so on and so forth. So there are four candidates. There was Aaron O'Toole. There was a guy named Peter Mackay, who was kind of on the liberal end of the Canadian conservative party. Um, there was a woman named Leslin Lewis. She was who, interestingly. To win. Really, she was I oh, really you thought she was predicted to win. I always yeah. thought Makai would win because I was like, "There's," because she came in third. But yeah, she was I like heard... the kind of she was a super Christian candidate. I saw she was on Reddit, like really. Like, I saw on Reddit that yeah. she was projected to win, but then I could be wrong. I don't you know. know. Yeah, I thought I thought she would get probably third or fourth. And she did get third, so I don't know about that. But yeah, uh, she she's the daughter, I believe, of Jamaican immigrants. She's from Jamaica. Uh, I might be wrong on that. I don't know. I might be wrong on that, but Conservatives she is the first. Uh, she's the first uh, black candidate for the Conservative Party uh, nomination in Canada, and she did do pretty well. I mean, she got third place, which is pretty good for someone who. Didn't even have a seat in the Canadian um, Parliament. I guess the House of Commons. Isn't that what they call it? Yes. But she came in third. Uh, Derek Sloan was the other guy. He came in fourth. He was very far right. Like, he was he was very controversial. He had a lot of very controversial opinions on, like, gay issues and stuff like that, which we're not going to get into. But uh, if he won, he basically would have uh, sealed uh, Justin Trudeau a third term because there would have been a lot of conservatives who wouldn't have voted for him. So Aaron O'Toole won. I don't think this is probably the best result for the Canadian Conservative Party. I think that Mackay would have been more electable. I think that Mackay maybe had the chance of getting some disaffected Trudeau voters who are kind of sick of some of the kind of corruption that's plagued. Yes, Canadian. the S&P and scandal. Yeah, and, yeah, just that. And just the fact that and a the, lot of people, uh, yeah, not not just that in blackface, just like a lot yes. of people think that Trudeau is just kind of this like, he says one thing, he does another thing. A lot of people don't really trust him. But I mean, it looks like he's going to be getting a third term. I mean, I guess the NDP could theoretically nominate a very strong candidate, but I don't really see that right now. I mean, yeah, the NDP I mean, hasn't been great since Jack Layton died. So, yeah, from what I hear. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and and let's be honest, the reason why Jack Meet Singh lost was because he got pummeled in Quebec, and Quebec, of course, had the uh, the ban on religious yes um, head coverings. So no hijabs, <laughs> no yarmulkes, no turbans, and of course Jack Meet Singh, if you don't know, is a Sikh who wears a turban. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious that's why he got so destroyed there. So, you're like, what is unless he's French? able to, 
Unless he's able to make it up in the western provinces, which lean conservative, or the eastern seaboard, which leans liberal, I don't really see the NDP doing super well. So again, I think Justin Trudeau's on track for another um, another win in whatever that is, 2023, I think. Unless he, of course, calls an election early. He could call an election early, but we'll see. And I, I think mean, he could even get he could even regain his majority because I don't even think that Aaron yeah, no, I was just saying I don't that. even know who Aaron O'Toole is gonna bring in. Like I don't I can't think of that many Canadians sort of I can't think of that many Canadian votes who'd be like, Man, I really didn't like Sheer, but Aaron O'Toole's the man. <laughs> like who says that? Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> we'll we'll see. It's but it's very interesting. Yes, it uh, is. Fine. Do you want to talk about the conventions? I know we said we wouldn't talk much about U.S. No, politics. I want to talk about just something had... else. That's, oh, okay. This isn't good, really good, current good. news. What do you want to talk about? This isn't really current news, but I want to talk about how Argentina elects their president because, I mean, I know we weren't going to get into electoral oh, systems. I know we weren't going to get into electoral okay. systems, but this is honestly becoming one of my least favorite. Least favorite because, okay. In some sense, like, the rules are, okay, so, you either right, get over it? 45%, which is just weird. That means you have theoretically two winners. Or you must get 40% with at least a 10% lead, which makes no sense. Like, I feel like they just pulled numbers out of a hat to treat that system. There probably is some sort of scientific backing behind it. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't follow Argentina's electoral system. But, yeah, it seems kind of weird. 45% is a pretty arbitrary number. I mean, come on. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump both got over 45% in uh, the U.S. presidential election. But as we know, you can only have one winner. So that sounds kind of strange. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, I just want to point that out. Because, I mean, I've studied electoral systems, but that doesn't have to be like – I mean, 45%, you get two presidents. 40% with a 10% lead. Did, like, did they just randomly generate that? Like, why did they include the 10%? Who knows? <laughs> like, it just seems so random. I mean, like, why didn't they just use 50%? At least that's the majority, which I do and don't like in some voting systems. But, yeah, so I wanted to add. But yeah, um, very, very strange. Uh, well, is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, if you don't have anything else we want to talk about, we can wrap this up soon. But okay, uh, yeah. Anything uh, else? Do any, I don't have anything else. Did you want to talk about anything else? Do you want to talk about the conventions or not? I'm totally fine either way. Uh, I don't really watch them. <laughs> I don't okay, really watch then. Them. I, 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 like, I know I brought it up, but like, nah, I'm fine with that. I'm okay, then we can, okay, let's wrap it up. we can skip the conventions. So uh, anyway, yeah. I'm out of stuff. So uh, anything you want to talk about? Nope. Um, I guess we're going to wrap it up. So thanks for watching. Uh, watching. Sorry. <laughs> I, this is my first time. So I'm, fine, this is going to sound really, uh, going to sound really awkward, but I'm sorry, viewers or list <laughs> viewers, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I've never done this before. Okay. So uh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I'm, I'm just making this worse. Um, thanks for listening. Make yeah. sure to Do, like, uh, follow, whatever. <laughs> like, uh, upvote, whatever, uh, listen to whatever, mm, whatever you use, platform 
you're listening to your podcasts on. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be looking Just into whatever news comes out next week. Of course, I can't tell you what that is now because neither of us, unfortunately, can predict the future. Yeah. But anyway, I think we're going to wrap this up. Okay. See you uh, next week. Yes. Goodbye.